You can turn to Philippians chapter 3. That's where we're going to be this morning. Thankful for Gordon and the administration here to be here. I love coming to Nebraska Christian ministering to you guys, seeing familiar faces, seeing new faces. We're going to be in Philippians 3 this morning. And as we do that, let me ask you, how many of you enjoy jogging, running? I'm not talking about playing basketball or football where you run, but just actually going out and saying, I'm going to go jogging, just running. How many? You can raise your hand. How many of you despise that, just the idea of just running for the sake of running? For So they say there's health benefits. Okay. I think there's more of the dislike side. Running for myself has always been difficult. I enjoy basketball. That's growing up was in high school, junior high was my main sport. But jogging for the sake of health or just because I guess I should look nicer if I can get rid of some of this gut has always been difficult. But uh, recently, my wife and I have tried to do a little bit more exercise, and one of that is one of those things is jogging. We were recently uh, back with uh, her dad visiting family, and there was a, it was a beautiful the weather was nice, so we went jogging. And I told my wife, I want to go two miles max. That's as far, then we'll, you know, so we'll go a mile and then come back. It'll be two miles. We'll feel good. I'll feel good about myself, and we'll move on with our day, and then I'll just go eat more food or whatever. Like, I'm, I'm better at that. Well, we went jogging, it was beautiful, went a mile, my phone at the two-mile mark said two miles, and at that point, I pretty much lost all motivation. I was satisfied. I did my two miles. The only problem was we were, well, we'd gotten kind of sidetracked, and we were lost. They lived in in these hills and these mountains, and we had no idea where we were. We knew that her, her dad's house was somewhere in the vicinity. We found out later we were about five or six miles away from the house, well, she kept jogging because she's more fit than me and more motivated. I was done. I walked, and it was one of these things. As I'm walking, vultures were in the air, which was, you know, figurative for something. But she ended up running. We got lost. Her dad ended up coming and rescuing us, which was nice. You know, nothing more humiliating than your father-in-law coming to pick you up after your nice little jog. But I was thinking back to the story about, at one point, for me, the motivation was lost. I was satisfied. I had said, two miles is it. That's all I want to do. And I quit. I was done. And I was thinking about that in life. We have that attitude, that temptation often. And sometimes it's okay. I think about maybe this time in the school year, you guys are saying, need a break. Spring is going to get long. Oh, wait, there's now March, April, May, then summer. Three more months. It's a difficulty. And there's a time to say, I deserve a break. I need to slow down. That's appropriate. This morning, though, from Philippians chapter 3, I want to look at being satisfied as a temptation when it's wrong to be satisfied with pursuing Christ. The temptation or the thing that I want to consider this morning in terms of what can be a temptation for us, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, is saying in your pursuit of the Lord, in your pursuit of Christ, pursuit of holiness is to stop and say, I think I'm pretty good. I've gone my two miles. I've, I've gone as far as I think I should. At least I, I know that I'm pursuing Christ my whole life, but let me take a break. Let me rest for just a little bit. And that's something very dangerous in the Christian life. We're going to look at a principle this morning that might at first seem different than what we would think or might at first seem to not be right. It's, it's this, that as Christians, we should be dissatisfied As Christians, we should be dissatisfied in our pursuit of Christ, our pursuit of holiness. 
Again, that might be a shocking statement at first, because sometimes we'd say, of course, we'd say, well, generally in life, I want to be satisfied, right? Satisfied in Christ, satisfied with what he's given me, thankful for his goodness. But we're going to look at the Apostle Paul's life and see this morning that the temptation to be satisfied in your pursuit of holiness is actually going the wrong way. If you think you can take a vacation, be stable, stop, it's the wrong attitude in pursuing Christ in growing as a Christian. Philippians chapter 3, let me read our passage, verses 12 through 16 is where we'll be this morning. We're going to be looking at Paul's life as a model, even considering a little bit uh, his testimony this morning. Philippians 3, and I'll begin reading in verse 12. Not that I've already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude, and if in anything you have a different attitude, God will reveal that also to you. However, let us keep living by that same standard to which we have attained." My purpose for this morning is that we're motivated, that, again, if you know Christ, and if you don't, I pray that you consider these words, and we'll speak to that this morning. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ, you desire to pursue him in holiness, to know him more, to love him more, to grow in your relationship with him. And this passage is a great motivation to keep us from stalling, from saying, I I think I've done enough, I think I've gotten to a point where I'm pretty satisfied That's an attitude that we need to be very, very careful of in our Christian walk. We need to be, we'll say it this way in this passage, dissatisfied Christians when it comes to our pursuit of Christ. And we're going to see some characteristics of this dissatisfaction this morning from this passage. So we'll kind of go through a couple of these in this brief time. And the first one we're going to see primarily in verse 12, it's this, that the dissatisfied Christian is realistic, is realistic. Again, this is the Apostle Paul who's writing this. You probably know from your Bible classes, from your time in the Word at church, Paul, at this point, he's been a Christian for about 20 years. He would say, obviously, one, a man to look up to, an apostle, he planted churches, a model, and here he's giving himself as a model for the church to say, look at my life. It's not pride, it's him saying, look at my life, I follow Christ, follow me as I follow Christ. But notice his attitude in this. He says at the beginning, not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect. That's an amazing statement from the Apostle Paul. And you might have an initial question here in verse 12. You might say, well, obtained what? If you look up, if you're familiar at all with Philippians 3, verses 7 through 11, our wonderful testimony from the Apostle He has just told the church, I used to be a Pharisee, self-righteous, thinking I could save myself. And then I realized that I had nothing to offer to God. I realized I needed Christ alone as my righteousness. So I trusted him. You can look down at verse uh, verse 7. Whatever things were gained to me, those things I've counted as lost for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, 
for whom I've suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ. May be found in him, verse 9, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. This is Paul's testimony. I came to the point of realizing salvation is in Christ alone. He is the one I'm satisfied in. He is my righteousness, my salvation. I one day will be resurrected, be with him in glory. But right now in my life, I'm dissatisfied. I have not gained perfection. I am not fully Christ-like. And what a wonderful example from Paul, his humility. Or as we're saying here, how realistic he was. Notice down in verse 13, he repeats this same principle. Brethren, very pastor-like, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. I am not perfect, Philippians. I know the Lord, I love the Lord, I've served him faithfully for these 20 years, I've planted churches, I've been faithful to his call, I've called the Gentiles to salvation, but understand church, I do not fully have Christ in terms of being Christ-like, I have not arrived, I'm not perfectly holy, I haven't laid hold of perfection yet, in other words, I am not done pursuing holiness, pursuing Christ. And this is a wonderful example and, and something that's an important starting point when you consider growing as a Christian. Think about your school year this year. Just think personally, not at your neighbor, but at yourself. Have you grown this year here at Nebraska Christian? Through your local church, as you consider the Christians around you, but here as you've been taught the Word of God from this pulpit, taught the Word of God in your, from your teachers, from, um, in some cases, your friends, your peers, discipleship. Maybe this has been a wonderful year for some of you. Maybe you've grown a ton, and praise God for that. What an encouragement that is. Maybe even some of your teachers know that, and you've, you've expressed to them how God has grown you. But let me warn you from this passage to be realistic. On the one hand, to rejoice. Praise God that He's growing you through His Holy Spirit. But be careful of the pride that can creep in to say, I'm satisfied. I've learned lessons. I've gone through trials. God has brought me through. I've learned a lot, but now I'm good. There's not possibly more I could get in the next couple months, right? Can't I take a break? The lesson here is be realistic and understand that you have a lot more to go. Within God's sovereignty, with his, in his plan, his timing, his growth in your life as a Christian, as a child of God. So be careful of that pride and be realistic, understanding that you have not arrived Neither of your teachers, neither have I. The Christian that you most respect is still pursuing Christ today until the time they're with him in glory. And that's a great motivation, is it not? For all of us as followers of the Lord. Number two, dissatisfied Christian is intense. Is intense. That word that comes to mind in maybe so many different areas. Think about those areas in your life where you are most passionate, most intense. If you've uh, paid any attention recently, if you're near a TV, you've seen a wonderful example of being passionate in recent politics. Millions of people passionate for their candidate, passionate for votes, passionate for who's going to be the next president. We see it all the time in sports, passion, intensity. 
saying this is the goal, this is what we want, we'll do anything for it. And the question from this text is, while those things aren't necessarily wrong, are you passionate for holiness? Are you like Paul, intense for the Lord? On the one hand saying, I have not reached it, I have not, I'm not fully Christ-like, I haven't laid hold of it, verse 13, yet, so what do you do? You have an intense pursuit of Christ. Look once again at the text, verse 12, I have not already obtained it or have already become perfect, but notice Paul's language here, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. I press on, Paul says. It's an intense word. It means to pursue. It even means to persecute. Again, if you know anything about the Apostle Paul, think about his life before Christ. Paul was a passionate, intense man. He cast his vote against Christians. He was responsible for their imprisonment and in some cases responsible for their death. If you read through the book of Acts, Stephen, the first Christian martyr, was martyred and the people were laying their clothes at the feet of Paul, who was furiously enraged, he says in Acts. I was enraged, passionate for the death of these Christians. And then, by God's grace, he was saved. Christ forgave him. And used him. That's the word here. Obviously, the persecution in the negative sense, in the positive sense, he says here, I haven't obtained it, but here's my pursuit. I'll characterize it in an intense word of persecution. I pursue Christ with an intensity similar to the intensity I had in pursuing rebellion against him. Now I love him. Now I want the advancement of his kingdom. And so I pursue him. Look at verse 13 again. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. That word there for lay hold is to seize, attack. It's a firm grip. Again, pursuit of holiness. Passionate, intense words for the pursuit of Christ. Now for a moment, consider your pursuit of Christ. Consider how do you approach your uh, growth, your, your separation from sin, your pursuit of holiness, pursuing God's word, obedience. I know in my own life, I know many times when I hear other Christians talk, we use language like this. I probably need to work on that. We talk about sins, small vices that we struggle with. We say, pray for me in that area. I should should probably get around to looking at that. I'm happy, I'm doing a little better, but you know, there's a long ways to go. Paul would have never spoken like that. Paul says, as I consider the fact that I'm not perfect, as I consider the fact that I'm not fully like Christ, the one I love, the one who's dressed me and clothed me in his righteousness, I am doing whatever it takes to grow in holiness, to love him more, to be conformed to his image. You might ask the question, what's the motivation for this? Why was Paul so intense? And I love what he says in verse 12. Did you notice the phrase that we skipped over there? He says, I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Jesus had a purpose in saving Paul, just as he had a purpose in saving every one of his children. He didn't just save us, well, I, I saved you so you can go to heaven and just be there for all eternity. No, God the Father sent his son 
to live a perfect life, to die on the cross, to rise again, saved you by his grace for the purpose that you would ultimately be conformed to the image of Jesus. Listen for a moment to Romans chapter 8. Listen closely to the purpose of our salvation. Romans 8 verse 29. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son, so that he, being Christ, would be the firstborn among many brethren. And these whom he predestined, he also called. These whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. God saves sinners so that they can become like Christ, so that they can be, he can be glorified through their Christ-likeness. That's a wonderful thing to think about. When you consider your salvation, think through your testimony this morning and say, why did God choose me? Why did he save me? Why am I the recipient of such grace, such mercy? He did it so that you would become like Christ, so that you'd be holy and righteous in his sight, honoring him until the day you were with him with a glorified body, doing, glorifying him for all eternity, praising him for all eternity. What a glorious lesson here from Paul. That motivation, Jesus laid hold of him, so therefore his pursuit is to lay hold of Christ, grow in holiness. At this point, I would ask you again this morning, I mentioned this at the beginning, maybe you look at this passage and you think, this is completely foreign to me. Yes, I go to a Christian school, I hear the word preached, I understand who Paul is, I understand biblical facts, But this morning, ask yourself, do you have any glimmer of a desire to pursue holiness, to pursue Christ? Not to somehow please God and gain his favor. That would be self-righteousness. That would be a false gospel. But because you love him, because Christ is glorious to you, you say, I want to pursue him, I want to know him, I want to grow in holiness because he died for my sins. He rose again because he's my righteousness. I understand he's more valuable than anything. Or this morning, are you looking at this passage and saying, I just can't wait till it's done so I can get to school, so I can get to whatever else I have on the docket for the day, my plans, my goals, my desires. If that's your attitude this morning, I would, I would have you ask yourself whether you truly know the Lord Jesus Christ. A Christian, though not perfect, loves the Lord and wants to pursue holiness, wants to be like their Savior. And if there's no desire for that in your life, repent this morning. Know the Lord Jesus Christ. Understand His love. Understand that God the Father sent His Son to die for a sinner like you and for me. He demonstrated His own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5. Examine yourself this morning in light of this text. Number three, and we'll make our way quickly through the rest here as we look at some of these lessons, these characteristics. Number three, the dissatisfied Christian is focused. Focused, as you know, if you're involved in sports, focus and concentration are essential. To not be distracted by, in this case, we'll see by either victory or by your weaknesses, by times you have failed past failures and past successes. And this is the key to Paul's pursuit of Christ, the key to Paul's growth in the Christian faith. Notice, and he he uses here the example of a runner. 
verse 13, Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do. There's one lesson, Philippians, I've learned. It's so essential to understand this. Forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The picture here is of a runner with one aim. Their focus is not how much ground have I gained, where are the other contestants. The focus of the runner is on the goal, the finish line. That's the only focus. You've seen this sort of thing in, in, in sports. If, uh, I always like the ones when you watch like a top 10 sports bloopers. And there's the guy that has the interception and there's no one around. He has the pick six. It's clear. He's out the 50, the 40, the 30, the 20, and he starts to high-step it. He starts to look around. He knows the cameras are on him. And then somehow about the three-yard line, he gets demolished by someone who is just furious at his pride. You've all seen that sort of blooper. That's the idea here. It's saying the goal is the finish line. Don't focus on how much you've gained or all the times in the past you've failed. Paul says, my focus is on the goal for the prize, which is Christ, the upward call of God, conformity to His image. And if I focus on where I have failed or stay focused on just past success, I will fail. I'll be too satisfied. And so I've learned to concentrate, to be focused on the goal, on pursuing Christ until the time I'm with Him. Is it wrong to look back and See how much God has done? No, not at all. It's not wrong to say, God, this year has been an amazing year here at Nebraska Christian. I've learned so much. I've grown in this way, this way, this way, this way. That's, that's okay. Take time. Praise God. But don't be satisfied. Don't stop there. Then you become stable, and we know that then you regress. As you look at this past year, maybe you've seen success, or maybe on the opposite end, you've messed up. Maybe you are hurt this morning. Maybe you've been talked to by a teacher or by a friend. or you, Maybe you're the only one that knows where you have failed the Lord. And that has been a hindrance to you pursuing Christ. Understand that if you truly know the Lord, repent, confess. When you confess your sin, He is faithful and righteous to forgive you. And the lesson from Paul here is even in your failure, understand you still pursue Christ. Rest in the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, his shed blood, and pursue him with greater intensity, with greater focus. So often our successes and our failures distract us from our pursuit of holiness presently, now, in our lives as Christians. Wonderful lesson from Paul there, the focus, the concentration. Number four, and this is where Paul gets very personal with the Philippians. You could say it this way, the dissatisfied Christian is teachable teachable. As Paul sort of transitions in verse 15 from here's the example of my life, here's my testimony, look at verse 15. He sort of is summing things up in this section. He says, let us therefore as many as are perfect have this attitude. And if in anything you have a different attitude, God will reveal that also to you. That word there in verse 15, if you have a New American Standard, perfect means mature. It's not saying if any of you are perfectly Christ-like. That's not at all the case. He's saying those of you that are mature, you understand, you've followed our teaching, myself and 
the companions with me, those who taught you the word. He says, I want you to understand that you need to follow what we've, what we've taught you. If you're mature, you'll, you'll look at my life, you'll see the life of Timothy who's with me, the other companions, and you'll follow this example. The temptation for all of us sometimes to say, well, when it comes to pursuing holiness, or as we'll see in a moment, pursuing spiritual disciplines, that's got to be for you. You're, you're a pastor, right? It's got to be for the adults, the teachers, those who've known the Lord for a long time. And the lesson here for all of us is Paul saying, to the church as a whole, understand that all of you should pursue Christ with this intensity, with this focus. This isn't for like an upper tier of Christianity. The lesson of my life, the lesson of my pursuit of Christ, the lesson of my realism, of my intensity, of my focus and concentration, Philippians, and I would say this morning for all of us here, if you know the Lord, this is a lesson for all of us. All of us are to pursue Christ in this way. And notice that Paul gives a warning. And if in anything you have a different attitude, God will reveal that also to you. If you think you can stray behind, if you think you can slack off, if you truly are a child of God, God will take care of you. He will do whatever it takes for you to pursue holiness. That might even mean discipline in times. To wake you up to the reality that you're pursuing him with an attitude that isn't glorifying to him. In fact, look over chapter 1 for a moment. I want to show you a wonderful verse in Philippians that has to do with this uh, pursuit of Christ. That if you know the Lord, he will do whatever it takes to make you more holy. Look at Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Paul says, I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. What a comfort that is. That if God has begun that good work, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, if you are saved, he's begun that work, and guess what? He is working in you through his spirit to perfect you, to mature you, until the day you're with him in heaven. Your salvation is guaranteed. You can't lose your salvation. Where you're at is guaranteed because he saved you based on his good work. And so he's working in you. So if you have an attitude of laziness or slackness, understand that God will reveal that to you. So the warning is repent. Again, if you're prone to say, well, can I take a break? Repent of that attitude and say, Lord, based on Paul's example this morning, I want to pursue Christ with greater zeal, greater fervency for the glory of God. Number five, and lastly, you could say the dissatisfied Christian is consistent. Consistent. And this is in verse 16. However, let us keep living by that same standard to which we have attained. Paul ends this section with, and what Paul's saying here is the, te- the temptation all of us face when it comes to holiness is to find something new, a new method, a new technique, something to take care of our sin more quickly than simply reading our Bibles, praying to God, going to church, being discipled. Everything that you hear probably likely every week The temptation for us sometimes to say, well, I'm really struggling with this sin, and those things just won't do it. Those spiritual disciplines aren't enough. There's got to be a new method. Is there a new book out that I could read that helps me? Maybe quicker? And the reminder here from Paul is, you have grown to this point. And we'd say in our context, through spiritual discipline, through reading, meditating, applying the Word, seeking dependence upon the Lord through prayer, 
going to a local church where you hear the word, where you meet and know other Christians who disciple you and love you and pray for you. You share your burdens with them. They share their burdens with you. You go through trials and you grow. All these are the spiritual disciplines that we've been told is the way we grow as Christians. And the encouragement from verse 16 is keep doing it. Be consistent. Don't look for some sort of new method that maybe it makes it easier. Maybe I don't need to be disciplined. No, continue to be consistent. Practice those things. That's what Paul is saying to the Philippians. You've, you've reached a certain point. Now keep living by that same standard. You've reached the point by pursuing Christ with passion like myself. Now keep doing it. Don't think there's something else out there that makes it nice and easy, a quick fix for sanctification. That's a wonderful reminder for us this morning. We live in an age where we always want something bigger, faster, quicker. Again, a quick fix. And the encouragement I have for you this morning is continue to pursue the spiritual disciplines. Again, reading the Word, praying, meditation, application, discipleship, involvement in your local church. All those things, that's how God grows us through His Spirit. So this morning there's a a lot of lessons that I trust you see from this. But notice Paul's example, and I hope and pray for each and every one of you that you are motivated to pursue Christ again this morning. As you've been doing, I hope, and as you've seen progress, continue to pursue those things for the glory of God. Let me pray for you as we close our morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this text. God, you are so kind to us in giving us examples like Paul. And Lord Jesus, I especially thank you this morning as I consider uh, many here who, Lord, I trust know you. Lord Jesus, you have laid hold of them. They have a desire, even if they're struggling, to pursue Christ, to pursue holiness. And Lord, I pray this morning they would be motivated to pursue that with greater intensity. I pray for any students here this morning that, Lord, as they look in their hearts, as they examine their lives and they see no motivation, Spirit of God, convict them this morning of sin, of rebellion against you, of their need to see the beauty of Christ and Spirit of God open their eyes to behold your beauty, Lord Jesus, to behold that you are the only one that saves, like Paul, that they may understand that they do not have a righteousness of their own, but they need the righteousness which is through faith in Christ. Spirit, do your work this morning in each and every student for your glory, I pray. pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.